Hi, welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We're very glad you're joining us today and we hope this message inspires you, builds your faith and encourages you in the things of God. Enjoy the message. What wonderful worship we had this morning. Nathan, thank you so much. My makeup is probably running down my cheeks at the moment, but anyway, my goodness me, God is good. God is good. Where do I start? It's been on my heart for quite a while to give my testimony. And when I knew it was this was my story, I felt probably a bit, little bit like Shrek the donkey. Pick me, pick me. But it wasn't actually me that they wanted, it was my husband, Gavin. He has a wonderful testimony. But just something happened and he just wasn't able to make it. And uh, so yesterday, late, late, thank you, Patrick, uh, messaged me and would I, would I come and testify? And immediately I said yes, because I knew it was the Lord in this. So I hope you're blessed with my testimony this morning. It's probably not the, the typical testimony, but it is a testimony. It is my testimony. But you're going to be blessed this morning because there's two other wonderful ladies coming after me with, with their stories. And our stories are not about what we have done. Our stories about what he has done, as in Jesus, what he has done in our lives. I need my glasses. This is a sign I'm getting old. I just want to share just, I'm not going to share, I'm just going to just give you a, a lovely scripture that God has really spoke to me. And it's Lamentations 3, verse 23. And it says, great is his faithfulness. We've heard so much about it this morning from Andy. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Sorry, guys, I'm Judas. By the way, I'm married to uh, a wonderful man, Gavin, being the brother of uh, Pastor Nick. So... I was brought up in a wonderful home, a Christian home, went to church every single Sunday. I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't do drugs, but I was still a sinner. I sat in the chairs at church and I listened to wonderful songs. I went to Sunday school and I heard the wonderful little song and I just half one this morning, God said to me, what about that little song? Write that one down and it goes like this, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Jesus loved me. From that size, he loves that little baby, Jackson James. God bless him. And he loves you. And folks, for those who are watching this morning, Jesus loves you. Powerful, powerful. So I went to Sunday school, went to church. I probably just was a seat warmer more than anything else. It was a religious thing for me to do, to go to church. I knew of God, but I didn't know God. And there's actually a difference. I know Michal Martin for who he is, but I don't know him. I don't have that relationship with him. I knew of God. I knew of the stories in the Bible, and I knew... And week after week, I was told just of the goodness of God, but I didn't know him as my personal saviour. Shame on me for being brought up in a church, but God had plans. Thank you, Jesus. 
So I, I don't even know what age I was. I, I, I really... I really can't remember. Maybe it's a little bit of old age creeping in that I can't remember. But I, what I do remember, I remember going to a conference. As I say, my parents were Christians. And, and I remember going to a conference, and, and I, I love music. I love the songs. I love the words of the songs that we sung this morning. Oh my goodness me. And as I stood in the conference, we sung this song, and the Christians here will know it goes like this. Um, he is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. I sang it. There was nothing to it. And the next verse goes, he's my Lord. He's my Lord. He's risen from the dead and he's my Lord. And I stood and I couldn't sing the words because if I sang them, I was being a hypocrite because he wasn't my Lord, because I knew him but I didn't know him as my personal Lord and Savior. And that very time I stopped and I, I wept and I just said, Lord, be my Lord. Come into my heart and be my Lord. Because you see, God is faithful and his timing is so right. So I went to a, 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 another lovely, lively church and became friends with um, the likes of Pastor Stephen and Jacinta and Magellan. These are lifelong friends that I've had for a long, long time. I got married to the best-looking Cassidy there is. Sorry, Jacinta and Catherine. <laughs> In my eyes, my husband is the best. He is and he always will be on my eyes. And the next thing after marriage is having babies. And uh, I probably was like that person from Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Lord, I want it and I want it now. But God's timing wasn't there. It wasn't, wasn't that. And I fell pregnant. And I lost it. And years later, I fell pregnant again. And I lost the baby again. And in that time, I really cried out to God and I said, God, where are you in all of this? And God speaks to me, yes, through his word, but he ministers to my life through songs. And you see, God answers all prayers. It's yes, no, and wait. But because I was an impatient person, I wanted the yes, I wanted the immediately. But God had other plans. So he ministered to me in a song. And this is the song that he ministered to me. Life is easy when you're up on a mountain. And you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But things change when you're down in the valley. Don't lose faith. Because you're never alone. The God of the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, he'll make it right. The God of the good times is till God of the bad times. Hallelujah. What a great God I have. So for five years I prayed. I didn't give up. I cried and I wept. We went down maybe the adoption route. We said, yeah, we'll, we'll adopt. We'll do all this. We even end up having fertility. But God's plans were totally different. And God answered my prayer. I fell pregnant with wonderful twins. 
Because you see, whenever I was younger, I've always wanted twins. And God heard my prayer and heard my plea as a child. And he answered my prayer in his timing, not my timing. What a faithful God I have. Psalm 56 verse 8, it says, You, meaning Jesus, keeps track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in a bottle. In my case, it's not a bottle, it's a reservoir. You have recorded each one in your book. In my case, it's not a book. It's a series of encyclopedias. God is a faithful God. So the twins were born. And I do believe that God gave me the twins in replacement of the two that I had lost. One day I will see those two in heaven. And Reuben, being Reuben, and Reuben being the vocal one, when he started to talk, he, want, he prayed for his sister. And he used to even say, thank you, Jesus, for my sister. My goodness me, God answers prayers. He was faithful. And he was faithful to that young child, and he answered the prayers of the young child. And Leah was born. You see, my God can be your God. For those who are watching, if you don't know him as your personal Lord of Saviour, he can be your God. You don't need to wait to be in the valley to cry out to God, because God is faithful. So during the years, we've had a lot of sickness in our homes, but he's been faithful. Goodness, I could write a, that's only a fraction of what I could say about the faithfulness of God. Fast forward many a year, and I'll take you to December. That's just passed. We're in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of, of COVID. And I always said, Lord, don't, don't let COVID hit my home. But it did. 29th of December, COVID hit our home. I did go down the road, sir, saying, why God? And actually, it was wrong of me to question him. I had put everything in place. I had the two meters social distancing inside my home. But God is still in control. As stressful and as difficult as it was, God was in control. My prayer at the time was, God, don't let my husband go to hospital. Let him just stay at home where I can just care for him and comfort him. And actually, about... Eight months ago, my sister, who's a nurse, said to me, Judith, get yourself one of these little auction things to stick onto your finger and you'll be able to do the auction, read the auction. I said, what would I want something like that for? I know nothing about it. I'm not medical. God knew. I'm not medical, thank goodness. But I went off and I bought it. And I had the equipment at home to be able to nurse Gavin through the COVID. And he did get it very, very bad. And in that time... God answered my prayers. He didn't have to go to hospital. What a faithful God. And there were times that I sort of felt guilty, maybe singing and worshipping God, because that's all I knew what to do. I didn't know what to do, anything else. I just knew to pray, and, and worship is a big part of my, my life and my home. And to me, it just gives glory to God through worship and so on. And I just started to worship in the time of Somebody being so well upstairs in the bedroom, I just started to worship and, and, and pray. And once again, God ministered to me through his, through his song. Okay, I'm nearly finished. 
And this is the song that he gave me. Don't ask me why he gave me this song. And it goes, through the storms may come and the winds may blow. I'll remain, stand steadfast. I'll let my heart learn when you spoke a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness, not my faithfulness, but his faithfulness to me. Listen to this. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He will never let me down. I sang that song every day through COVID. I sung it at the top of my voice. I had it playing loudly in my home. After COVID, he had COVID pneumonia. He had long COVID. But God is faithful and he's pulled through. So my testimony is nothing about what I have done in life. It is about all he has done because great is his faithfulness. Not my faithfulness, his faithfulness. And every day his mercies are new every single day of the week. I wake up every day and I say, thank you, Jesus. I say, Lord, just whatever it is, Lord, Bring me through whatever it is. And for those that maybe, some of you, maybe even in the church don't know Jesus, or some of you even watching don't know him. But all I can say to you, Jesus loves you. He is faithful and true to the very end. Not to the end of today, not to six o'clock today, but every single day of the week. He is faithful to the very, very end. Folks, that's my testimony. I could go through so much more of just how God has been so faithful. But thank you so much for listening. Good to see you all. God is faithful. I'm here this morning standing because of the faithfulness of God. The song that was sung this morning said, I am not alone. He is my comfort, always holds me close. Like when the song, when we were singing it, I said, this is me. I had another song, but when that song was going on. This is my story this morning. Praise the Lord. The Lord, I ha the Lord has been with me. Um, my story, I was born in a family of six, the first daughter, precious daughter. Because <laughs> my parents got married and it took them years, you know. And coming from an African family, you know, when you get married two years, three years, people will be watching your stomach to know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, so that was my parents' story. And God's time, I came and they gave me Uchech, which means God's will. So growing up in a beautiful family, my dad was a deacon. You know, every Sunday we go to, we, we are always in church. I joined choir when I was 10. We, we go to Sunday school. I did my baptism. You know, we did all the things. We loved God, but, you know, I didn't know that deep. So, at the age of 16, promising family, or oh, you list out the things that you want to be when you grow up. I wanted to be, because I love people that dress very well. I love aunties, uncles. I run to aunties and just to say hello because they dress, you know, cute. So I wanted to be uh, um, a lawyer, an accountant, or um, air hostess, okay, because of the dressing. But at the age of 16, my living starts year, I lost my precious dad. 
He was a generous man. My dad, I grew up knowing my dad, taking care of people because he works in a hospital. And I thought my dad was a, a medical doctor. But I didn't know he was a lab technician, okay? The people that test blood. But people queue in our house, people that have no money. So they queue, he gives them medication, you know, they will tell him, we don't have money. Say, yeah, when you have money, you bring. That was my dad. So at the age of 16, he promised when you have good results, you'll be going. I'm just saying this for my young people that are here. You think, oh, life is tough. Tough people make it in life. Tough people, they come out stronger. And whatever you, you face in life is preparing you. You know, I was asking God, God, why me? My dad loved me, Ada Papa, you know, daddy's daughter. And he has all these good promises for me. And look at, at the age of 16, I lost him. Oh, God, you know, no money to register for living such. Uh, Pastor Nick was preaching and he preached like what I was thinking. You know, he was just saying it. Life of generosity. So I said, I just lost my dad. The time that I need to do my living cert, we call it Wayek. The time I need to do my living cert and maybe go on to be a lawyer or an accountant and dress properly, you know, and yeah, but I lost him. So everything just turned upside down. There was no money to register. And my mom, a widow that was taking care of six children because my dad was the breadwinner, and he said, no, take care of my children. I don't want child minder. I will fend for the family. And he was doing it very, very well. Like, I grew up praying, God, give me the type of husband. I didn't know what husband was, but my, my dad was taking care of my mom. So my, I lost my dad. No money to register for exam. We were going around looking for who to help me. That was 20, 200 naira as a 1986, 36 years ago. Nobody had money. Even the people that my dad helped, none of them, you know, maybe they didn't have, I didn't know. So it was only one uncle that gave me 200 naira, and I registered and I did my exam. And then I couldn't go to university. I had to drop out and get a job to help my mom to take care of five kids. God was preparing me to go into a caring role, to see what people are going through, to see that life can turn Okay, so God being so faithful, he gave me a beautiful husband that, that, that is just like my dad. You know, that takes care, that looks at your face, that knows when you are in pain, that knows when, you know, your smile, that like I was coming to church, I told him something, he said, no, I know you. So he knows me. Young people, marry, oh no, not uh, marriage seminar now, but yes, but marry your friend, marry somebody that, that knows you, somebody that will look at you and know that you are in pain. Oh, is there anything wrong with you? That's what marriage is all about. That's a story for another day. Yeah. <laughs> so when I got married in 1993, we moved down to another city in, in Nigeria. That was when I started going to a Pentecostal church, guys. Uh, that was when one day I gave my, they were calling uh, altar call. <laughs> I stepped out and I gave my life to Christ. They said, open your mouth and speak in tongues. I said, Jesus. I was just, I said, okay. So I opened my mouth and I started speaking. That was how the transformation started, you know. So all the while, I didn't know that, I, is it born again? I didn't know, I didn't have that special, you know, that relationship that you will, you have with Christ. That is something unique. Those of you that know, you know, right? 
Yeah, so that was how I started. And I was radical. Pastor Nick, you told me something about somebody being radical. Guys, I can come up now and tell like a dead man, rise up. That was how radical I was. I was trying. They said there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in this. I was just trying all the powers. So <laughs> I came back. Uh, one of the security men was sick. He said he had tuberculosis. I said, yes. And he's a Muslim. I said, let me pray for you. I laid hands on him and he got, well, Jesus. I said, I will try this power. You know, <laughs> anything that got broken in my house, any electronic, I was praying like crazy. And it was, you know, there's power in the name of Jesus. It's just, do you believe it? You have to believe it to, you know, for it to work for you. You won't stand with the faith of another person. Stand with your faith. God is faithful. So, guys... I don't even know. God has been so faithful. My mom, God has kept her. My younger ones, they are all married men and women. And God has been keeping me. I am standing because of the faithfulness of God. You know, so, yeah. Um, Something happened. Pastor Nick, do I have time? Do I have time? Okay, so maybe I share the life of generosity, okay? So if you are here, I don't know what you are going through. Um... There's so many things in my head. Yeah, I don't know what you are going through, but God is your comfort. God is your portion. Just hold him tight. It might be difficult. Sometimes those demons in the head will be telling you, are you sure it's true? Tell him it's it's true. If you are struggling, call somebody that you think the person is standing. If the person is not standing, the person knows who is standing. I love my sister, Bimbo. She, you know, I'm not telling you to call her, but you, you know people in your life that that you can call and share if you are struggling. Yeah, so 36 years ago, you see that young man that gave me 200 naira? It could be 50 cents now in, in Ireland. I called him up and things has turned upside down for him. So life of generosity, it comes back. Whatever a man sows, he shall reap, okay? When I went back to pay the 200 naira, he said, no, don't worry, take it. Your dad, if it's your dad, he will do it for me. So the life of generosity of my dad came back to me. And last week, the life of generosity of that man came back to him. And he called me and he was crying. Why? How, how did you do this to me? I said, remember 36 years ago, you saved a girl. I would have dropped out of secondary school. I wouldn't have maybe married my handsome husband. I wouldn't have been able to be who I am today, serving the Lord, loving the Lord, saving the lost, you know. Listening to the voice of God, because if you are worried in your mind, you won't even hear God. All you'll be hearing is the devil will be saying something, because you are not, your mind is not clear. Okay, so I'm here to encourage you. If you are out there, you are on the construction stage. The Lord is building you. The Lord is training you. Maybe he might take your dad or... T- no, God, please, don't take our dad and our mom. But I'm just telling you that God is faithful. At the end, you will see why God did that for you. Like, if my dad was alive, I wouldn't have, no, I would be still a baby, daddy's girl. I would still be, you know, I want my dad to pamper me. When my husband can say, no, who are you? My dad, my dad, you know. So, God is preparing you. This is my story. And I am still standing because of the faithfulness of God. You will stand. Trust God, you will stand. God bless you. I hope I'm able to touch somebody this afternoon. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Nick, for asking me to share my story. Oh, Jesus, I just ask you to minister to me this morning. 
Um, I was raised in a Catholic church by my parents. I had one brother, one sister. Um, I loved going to Mass, but I didn't know anything about God. And we went to Mass, but sometimes we missed Mass. So what we did, we had to ask people, who said Mass? before we went home because we'd have been interrogated when we got home. As a teenager, I don't know what teenagers done. I loved music, I loved rock music, I loved classical music. I didn't bother with boyfriends until I was about 19 when my heart was broken. So after that, I just stayed with my friends and we used to go to concerts and some holidays. My father had his own business. Um, we moved houses, and that was the, the start of our downturn. The economic crisis of the early 80s took our business, took our home, and it almost took my father's life. I left school at 15 with no qualifications, but I went to, I went to college twice since then. Things were difficult. How do I explain? When my father lost his business, we had a lot of our families working with us and we were all out of work. It took an awful toll on our family, but it took a bigger toll on my father that he tried to take his own life. My mother depended on me a lot. My father's manic depression would dog him for the rest of his life. He passed in 2006. At this stage, I had Roisin. She's the light of my life. Things weren't great in my life without going into much details. I was looking after her for a few years. A loveless relationship. I knew I needed something in my life. I always love going to churches. I always look, love looking at the architect of churches. But I loved the quietness, the solace of a church. I loved the bell ringing of churches. My home is two doors away from our local church, and I love the bell ringing there. I reached out to a friend who taught me about Cork Church. I know my cousin was a Christian, but that was all I knew. But I do remember she took me to an aerobics class when I was a teenager. And I can remember after it finished, they were all saying how they enjoyed the morning service and how there was a beautiful sense of the Lord. I was horrified. Where was she after taking me? And how was I going to tell my mother where I was? And when I did, she nearly murdered me. Of course, Geraldine was her favourite, so she got away with it. When I went to Cork Church, it was an amazing but an overwhelming experience. I wanted what they had, the joy, the love, the experience of their fulfilment. I spoke to a very handsome man who was Pastor Nick. He gave me a Bible and I will always remember. 
This book will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from this book. I knew it was where I wanted to be. I gave my heart to the Lord on Sunday the 26th of April 2007. Being a Christian isn't easy. I found reading the Bible very hard and I still don't understand it today. But I do remember listening to the pastors and they telling me that Jesus knew you before you were formed and that he knew every hair on your head. Now I understand what this means. Pastor Nick, I've, I've went through a lot of health trouble over the years. A lot of asthma attacks, which I've ended up in intensive care. I, almost three years ago, my heart stopped on the operating theatre and it was Jesus brought me through all these trials. I got COVID in February of this year and it was the most horrible experience of my life. Roisin and I were very blessed with our families and friends that looked after us. Pastor ha our pastor Nick and Catherine called to us with food and I was very low because I was afraid that it would hit me on my chest which is where it would have killed me. I remember Pastor Nick praying over me. But on the Friday night of the first week, I will always remember I woke at about six in the morning and I had this uncontrolled shaking for about half an hour. It was a very frightening experience. Being on your own with a sick child in a different room, I didn't know what to do. I prayed, I said, Lord, if you're going to take me, take me. But this experience was horrendous. I remember telling the doctor on Monday, but I know now what it was. It was actually the Holy Spirit going through me and I started to heal. My family and friends are a great support to me in everything I do with the church. Jer is an amazing friend and support to me. My pastors, my church leaders, who have been fantastic to us over the years. This can only be the work of Jesus. In Psalm 30, 1 and 2, I'll exalt you, O Lord, for you have lifted me out of the mire. And you did not let my enemies gloat over me. Oh Lord, I called on you for help and you healed me. I have learned Jesus forgives, he heals, he loves. And he loves us unconditionally. I have so much to thank for a wonderful saviour who was nailed to the cross for my sins. And he loves me. Jesus will heal you and forgive you all your sins. Just ask. Those two wonderful, powerful women went before me and they were powerful testimonies. Thank you. Well, praise the Lord. Mary, for a woman who says you don't understand the Bible very well, I think you did really well. And uh, what a beautiful scripture to bring out this morning because um, like you, uh, I didn't have a lot of education either and 
I found reading the Bible at the very beginning very, very difficult. Still find reading difficult. But it's not about how strong you are educationally. It's your desire for the Lord. God will produce, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. For they're the ones that will be satisfied. And Mary, God bless you. And God bless you, Judith. God bless you for bringing your testimonies this morning, what God has done in your life. Just before I just share and close this out today, um, I just want to acknowledge to our sister Siobhan lost her uncle this week. So sister, we're going to be praying for you. Our grandfather, it's our grandfather she lost. We're going to be praying for you that God's hand will be upon you. And again, good morning to everybody. Um, there's a verse I want to close out with today. It's in the, gospel, the book of John, 1 John chapter 4, actually. It says, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Another translation uses a more legal word. It says to be a propitiation for our sins. The love of God is so real that to satisfy the justice, his own justice, because we had so violated his instructions, so destroyed his world with sin, opened the door for the devil to come in to something that we had custody over. Our forefather Adam had custody over this world, and he opened the door and let a curse in that has affected every man, woman, and child. But the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us. And Jesus Christ took on the responsibility of taking to himself the punishment that it should have been Judith's, Anne's, Mary's, mine, and yours, the sins of the world. I want you to think about that in closing today because that is the gospel. That's what we herald this morning. That's what we rally around. That's what we proclaim in our worship. That's what we live by on our day-to-day experience as Christians. To live is Christ, the apostle writes, and to die is gain. What does that mean? It means for us Christians to live is to live the life and joy of Christ and to die is to die in the victory of Christ, which is a greater gain for us. And that is the great hope that can be yours today. I was thinking of a a, a great man of God. Actually, many would have read his life, a man called C.T. Studd. He lived in the late 18th century, right into the early 19th century. But uh, he was a, a British aristocrat. A man from Means, he came from a wealthy background and a famous cricketer. He was, you know, if you're into your cricket, uh, some people say I'd rather watch paint dry. But those who like their cricket really seem to love it. I can, I can tell you that much. I got some friends who just live and die by cricket. But he was a famous cricketer in England, a sportsman, a playboy, you could say, from a wealthy background. And, and in the late 1800s, had an incredible conversion under the ministry of a man called D.L. Moody. And this man was so impacted with the gospel. He was so impacted with the story that God loved him, that Christ would actually go and pay the penalty that he, due, that he was due to, to owe to God, that he would, Christ would suffer such indignation against himself. He was so overwhelmed with that, that he said this. He said, if Jesus Christ is God and died for me, then no sacrifice is great enough for me to make for him. That's what he said. He was so overwhelmed at the fact that Christ did pay the ultimate price for his salvation, for the forgiveness of his sins. He said, no sacrifice is too great for me to make for Christ. As a result of that conviction, he left everything. He left the fame. He left the wealth. Back in 18, 18, I think, 82, his father died and left him a fortune of 29,000 pounds. 29,000 pounds in 1892, friends, or 82, was a huge amount of money. It would run into the millions today. And the man literally gave it away, every single penny. 
He gave it to the poor. He gave it to the Moody Bible School. He gave it to different institutions that preached the gospel. And went to inland China to work with Hudson Taylor. And then from there he went to Africa. Sorry, from there he went to India and pastored a church in India. From there he went to Africa. And he started what is now known today as WEC, W-E-C-P. Tony Lissardo will know about WEC. Tony and Joyce worked with WEC in, in, in Mozambique for 16 years as missionaries, world evangelization um, uh, society. Uh, but then, you know, there, there he started up that great organization for the Lord. And he was so impacted. What motivated him was God's love for him that he would die such a horrific death on the cross. Such a death motivated him to the very end. And actually, in fact, he died in the mission field. Terrible death. He died from untreated gallstones. You know, it's something that could be treated today. He died a very painful death. Why? Because he put others ahead of him all the time. Sold all his wealth. Gave it to the poor. Lived out his life with his wife and his four daughters on the mission field serving this God. He said another quote. Let me read it to you. He said, someone to live within the sound of a chapel or church bell. Not looking at you, Mary. Okay. But he said, I want to run a rescue shop within one yard of hell. What a way to live. Why would a man live like that? Unless he felt an enormous gratitude to God himself. And it's the love of God compels us. It is understanding that great love, understanding the awfulness of Calvary. The mighty span that Christ did, the mighty gulf that Christ did span for us and bridge for us at Calvary. Understanding the real torture that he took to himself, the real nails, friends, the real crown of thorns, the sword that pierced his side. Before all that, the beating in the praetorium, the plucking out of his beard, the whipping with the cat of nine tails and the awful, awful humiliation and violence that was shown to him. And yet, This is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us first. And when you discover a love like this, when you really let the love of God touch your life, then it becomes your story. No sacrifice is great enough for me to make to him. The first sacrifice you have to make is your own life. You have to give it to him. You just don't do that, friends, lightly. You don't become a Christian lightly. If you give your life to Christ, it's for the rest of your life. It's not, a, it's not a moment of emotionalism. It's not because someone has told you to do it. It's because you see what he did for you at Calvary. Leaving the beauties of heaven, the glorious surrounds of heaven, and descending into this earth, friends, with all its violence and all its vices and all its disappointments, and dying a most horrendous death. No sacrifice is great enough for me to make for him. Lay down your life for him. Give it to him now. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I take you as Lord and Savior. And this will become a motivation to you to live as a Christian life. I look around this morning, I see so many men and women, different age groups, that have laid down their own lives for the Lord, laid down their personal time, many this morning in here at 8 o'clock, to produce beautiful worship for us. Why? You know, after a busy week's work, which, and you have your children, and you've got your family, and you've got your work, and you've got responsibilities. And yet, the motivation is the same. No sacrifice is great enough for me to make for him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son 
to be the propitiation, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. May God so grip your heart that even you, Christian, this morning, will begin to realize afresh. It's good for us to talk to those who don't know the Lord because they do need to get saved and get right with God. But it's good for us to remember the great cost of our salvation and to say to the Lord this morning and leaving, Lord, no sacrifice is too great for me to make for you. Let that be your prayer today. Let that be your meditation this week. That as you leave Court Church this morning after hearing these wonderful women share their story from their different backgrounds, different cultures, different experiences, but all dovetailing one thing. Someone called Jesus came knocking on their door. They opened their hearts and the rest is history. And to God be the glory, great things he has done. Let's just stand as we go and pray this morning. And we thank God. And if you are watching or if you're here this morning, I know you're here because you're drawn because the Holy Spirit has brought you here. You're on a journey and it's a spiritual journey and we are here to help you and facilitate you in that journey. Come and meet myself and any of the leaders here. We would love to talk with you afterwards or reach out online, send us a message. We'll get straight back to you and we will help you in that journey with the Lord because God has a plan for your life. And I want to tell you, it is the most wonderful life to live. The most adventurous life you can live. I just look at the corner of my eye. I won't mention names, but a young man only became a Christian not too long ago. And now he's on a great adventure. He's getting his, uh, getting his visa to go to the United States and to go off to serve the Lord in Bible school for two years. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, God comes and steps in and makes a difference in your life. Amen. And so what God has done for him and others and these ladies today, he wants to and will do in your life and through your life. Amen. To God be the glory. We close your eyes this morning as we just pray. And we just lift up, this, we lift up this message as it went out through the screens and into our hearts that it would take root in each and every one. Father, I pray for those who are on that journey, those who don't know you, Lord, but Lord, they want to know you. They want to know your salvation. They want to know your peace. They want to know your comfort. They want to know your nearness. They want to know your forgiveness. I pray for them today, Lord, as they have heard testimony after testimony after testimony, that you are a God that hears the brokenhearted, that you are a God that is near to those of a contrite heart and the lowly spirit, that you are a God that will come to the humble man and the humble woman that will bow the knee, Lord, and surrender, Lord. You will, Lord, always forgive those who ask, oh God. And I pray as they ask for forgiveness and as they ask for new life and as they ask for the born-again spirit of God to come into them, you will diffuse right into them that spiritual awakening that everything will change Lord I thank you for the congregation here the wonderful men and women that serve you Lord as Lord C.T. Studd served you Lord God that we would too have that heart oh God not to just be in the sound of a church bell or a chapel bell but Lord be ready to set up rescue shops within the yard of hell oh God wherever we go Lord on the streets in our workplace oh God wherever you place us oh God Lord when there's people to hear the gospel that we will rescue them with the word of God and with the testimony of Jesus we bless you now. We thank you for being with us here this morning in Court Church. We thank you for Jackson James, oh God. We thank you for the Dobbin Lord family, Lord God. And we Lord, thank you, Jesus, oh God, for what you're doing in our midst today, Lord. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' wonderful name. Hallelujah.
Can I tell you the end of the story before we go? The end of the story for Aunt Annabelle, for those who didn't get it, is that when that man gave her that money 36 years ago, which was small money today, but a lot of money where they were from. Last week, Anne was touched with the whole idea of generosity before I preached it. God was working in her heart. And she, he said, that man was generous to you 36 years ago. She picked up the phone, hunted him down, found him. Found out that he'd gone blind. His wife had died. And God put on her heart to get medical doctor to him, to get tablets, get antibiotics, to get help to him. He rang her up and he cried. He said, why are you doing this for me? She said, 36 years ago, you paid for my school exams. And as a result of that, I've gotten married. I've got a master's degree out of UCC in Cork. Amen. And that is living a life of generosity. And by the way, these are the people that God motivates because it's the love of God causes us to do these things. Amen. God bless you. Give him praise one more time. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I hope you were blessed. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us, info at corkchurch.com, or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thanks for tuning in, and see you next time. God bless.